Hey folks, Force Captain Meff here with really exciting news. Our next episode, remember, features a special guest, Sar from 5x5 Takes. Yes, the 5x5 Takes, the maker of all of those incredible analysis videos that you and I love. We had them come on to discuss Remember, which is also an episode that we all love. And by love, I mean tortures us, but also that's kind of what the show does, right? So make sure that you tune in for our next episode, Remember. And now, moment of truth. Hey, folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer she-ra podcast. I'm Force Captain Meth, they them. And I am Princess Jenny, she, her. And today we are talking about moment of truth or don't pull the switch. Pull the switch. Don't pull the switch. Pull the switch. Yeah, that pull sounds about right. I feel like that's about right. Uh, moment of Truth was written by Catherine Nolfi. It was storyboarded by Angela Kim and Sam Szymanski, and it was uh, directed by Dee Woman. It is the fourth episode of the third season. Is that how the director's name is pronounced? That's I don't know that answer. Oh, because I was looking at that director and I was like, oh, this is an interesting one because there's no period. It's not D period woman. It could be woman. It could be Dwoman. I don't know. Hmm. Well, however your name is pronounced, it's awesome. Yes. So, yes. You can reach out to us, director, and let us know how you prefer for us to say your name. Please do. I would appreciate that thoroughly because I hate it when people screw up my name. Yeah, same. <laughs> I have an easily mispronounceable last name because it's Eisenberg <laughs> with an A. Who would who would look at the name A-I-S-E-N-B-E-R-G and think Eisenberg? One out of a million. That's the answer. One out of a million. Everyone calls me Eisenberg, and I can't even get mad at them because it's logical. It, I mean, it makes sense. Anyway. Hey, you, you ready to jump into the yes. Bright Moon's Council Chamber? Yes. All right. So we are just all sitting around in the War Council, having a War Council meeting with our with our 3D pop-up university, you know, The table. tension is high from the opening shot. The tension shot. is high. Queen Angela is in the opening shot. She's sort of poised over this map like like a game of chess, but like a high stakes game of chess. She's got her chin on her clasped hands, you know, and she's flanked by members of the rebellion on either side. Like, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? You know, Swifty's there, Perfuma, Spinarella, Natasa, Frosta. No one is speaking for the first few beats. People are just like busily looking at their maps and using their hands to suggest deep, thoughtful expressions. Like the tension is just there. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what's a great way to break tension? Teleporting into a room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that always works. Glimmer knows how to break tension. And so Glimmer just pops right in. She bamps her way in with Bo and Huntara. And okay, I have a question that we can put a pin in. Sure. Because we, we kind of talk about this a little bit later. Where does, does Glimmer teleport from the Crimson Waste? Well, we know because she has said it so many times that Glimmer on her own cannot teleport great distances. Exactly. So my assumption, although I can't base it on anything concrete, my assumption is that they got close enough for her to be where she knows she's inside her radius, where she's like, I can just bamf this last distance. Right. I'm close enough now. I'm in bamfing distance. Did they drive? Like, how did they get there so quickly, Well, though? we don't have that information. I mean, we right, don't know how yeah. quickly they got there. We have, no, true. we have no idea how much time has passed. 
That's true. I, that's true. I guess they, they need to have the same amount of time to get there as Catra needs to get to the Fright Zone. Yes, yeah, right? some amount so, of time has passed. Everyone has traveled has back from the Crimson Waste in the amount of time that it takes for people to travel back from the Crimson Waste. That's not, you know what? That's great. We don't have to put a pin in that. I feel like that is solved. Oh, good. I'm Jenny. so glad I could actually yeah. answer a question. Yeah, no, we solved that one. I Without appreciate that. Without any Talmudic interventions and any cross-referencings or counterpoints at all. No, I love this. I, I love, love it. it when love it when things are easy. Yay. I love so, that Mermista thinks Huntara is a new Shira form. I also <laughs> wrote that. Always count like, on Mermista for the comic relief. It's like, oh, so it's another big burly woman. So obviously it's a new kind of Shira. It's like Shira Plus. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Shira Platinum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a good moment of levity because we're about to get some more very bad news. Oh, the Glimmer it's... has to tell everyone. That the horde has a Dora and the sword, and we're all like, "Oh, oh shit!" But like, I like the the way that first of all, like, I like that Glimmer just brushes off Mermesta. Like, no, 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 no. It's Huntara, the leader of the Crimson Waste, and we don't have time to get into that. Right, right. And I was like, oh, because oh, there so many questions would have been raised there, but nobody has time. Nobody yeah, has time for that. Nobody got shit. time for that. Yeah, you no, know, because we got shit to do. So, and then we have, you know. Bo is the one that kind of drops in the oh that's a relief because Catrick kidnapped Adora and everyone yeah. goes bump bump yeah. bump and yeah. then it escalates from my there. note there immediately following Bo telling everybody what happened is general gasping and freaking out yeah yeah that's all that, I have time for is like half yeah. a second of general gasping and freaking out before- yeah because it it just keeps escalating. Yeah, before Glimmer and Queen Mom go immediately head to head. On yep. we have to leap into action immediately. We know who that is, of course. Versus yep. we have to create a plan before we can put a plan into action because that is how you do things. Those are the two sides. Yep, and then of course you know we the the eternal struggle between the two of them, and then we see Angie jump right into mom mode. Yes. Like, Yes. Like, go, like on a dime. She's Mom just like slash queen mode. Yeah. They're like, mixed together and it's really hot. This is like prime <laughs> milk mode is for this Queen Angie. This, this is, is the gayest moment between is, Jenny and Queen Angie. Yes, I actually have it written down here as my first gayest moment. I have it all parsed out. So first, this is Queen Angie going into, you know, hot queen mom in charge mode. First, Love we it. got the eyebrows. Yep. Then we get the full wing spread. Oh, yeah. And she stands up and she says, you are not going anywhere until you explain outside <laughs> now. <laughs> Boom. Hot mom is in charge. And I am here for it. <laughs> uh, listeners, I have the pleasure of watching Jenny gesticulate <laughs> while explaining this. And there is so much hands going. It's just like pointing and hands and gesticulating. And it's wonderful. So, yeah, I finally trained myself to stop slamming the yeah. desk when but I talk. You just like, you know, flail. But this wasn't flailing. This was like particular <laughs> pointing. This is, yes, so. yes, yes. Because it doesn't make noise when I put my hands in the air instead of on the table. No. So that was my first gayest yeah, moment. I, I really think that Angela, you know, she she is very reserved with her power. But when she knows when to invoke it. Yes. Agreed. I mean, that's what a good leader does, especially like a yeah. queen. Like she's regal. She's an immortal bewinged queen. Right? Like she's been doing this shit probably for a real fucking long time. Yeah. <laughs> like thousands of years thousands for all of we years know. For all we know. We don't know. Yeah. It could have been 20 we minutes. Don't. It could have been thousands of years. Who, who knows? 
We don't it wasn't know. 20 minutes. And then we go to the credits. Credits, credits, credits. Jenny, do we win in the end? We have never been less sure than we are in this episode. We're really um, not sure about that. We don't know what's going to happen. We might not win. Nobody might win. Nobody might win. <laughs> Nobody if might the entire, win. <laughs> if, if reality collapses in on itself, nobody wins. No. Not even Katra. Not even despite, Katra. Despite what she thinks. Yeah. 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 Agreed. But we will we will get there. So we're gonna we're gonna learn that as we go on, but first we have to go to Hordak's man cave of grumpiness. <laughs> well, he's not so grumpy right now. No, he's not. He's got his you know, he's got his Iron Man suit on. He's he's working it, he's doing things. Yeah. Sometimes it zaps and glitches. And as one who one would normally shout if they're, you know biomechanical electro suit that helps them move zaps you but yeah it's it's understandable yeah. to react in the moment if you get zapped yeah sure but it's also understandable what entrapta says you can't expect everything to work perfectly overnight right and that's a perfect opportunity for her to do some critical exposition dump love it like how they still haven't found the missing piece to the portal machine. And if they try it now, it might not be stable enough to send anyone through. <sighs> As for example. <laughs> also, we, we passed over one really great moment. Was it the tizzy? Because uh, we passed over Hordak saying that he has never been in a tizzy. Dude's always in a tizzy. But I, I like to hear him say yeah. it. You know, a t- the lady doth protest too much, sir. Yes, <laughs> sir, lady. Yes, also, sir lady. I would definitely be tizzying if my clothes electrocuted me. Oh, yeah. I, like, I'm not saying that he yeah, he's, doesn't have the right to be in a tizzy, but just hearing him deny it is hilarious. No, no tizzy denial. So Entrapta gives us that little reminder exposition thing about what the portal situation is at this moment. Hordak reminds us that it doesn't need to be stable enough to send a person through, just need it to be open long enough to send a signal through, which is a much shorter increment of time. Right. And then once Horde Prime receives the signal, he can easily open the portal from his side. Yep. And then nothing will ever, nothing bad will ever happen to anyone once that happens. Right. Clearly. But clearly. then Entrapta has a realization then. Yeah. In this moment, for the first time ever, she realizes that her actions will have consequences and she might not like those consequences because then Hordak will leave yeah. with Big Brother. I think it's really important because Entrapta is our favorite, just classic chaotic neutral. Yes. She just likes to do the things that she likes to do and she never considers the consequences. Right. And now for the first time, she's considering the fact that there will be a consequence to this action. But that consequence that she is Hordak might not like. Yeah, her friend is, will go her away. Her friend will go away. Yeah, uh, you know her lab partner buddy, lab partner buddy, pal, person yeah. that. But she, it's just, it's just a beat though. She brushes it off really quickly. But there's still so much data we could collect. Mm-hmm. What's the rush? Enter Katra. Yeah, Katra enters. So, okay, so uh, I have this is my gayest moment, my first gayest Naturally. moment, and this is how I wrote this. So Catra opens the door and it's Catra flanked by her goons and Adora is tied up with a gag and throws Adora. But what I have is Catra gaily saunters in gaily with her arm around her gay ex-girlfriend tied up with a gag and a gay ass gay smirk. Gaily. Gayest moment number one. Nice. Flanked by her gay goons By her gay goons, yeah. So there's just an explosion of mean lesbian happening right there. Just... 
jumping right nice. in. Very nice. And all of the equipment goes bananas I wrote that from the proximity too. of the sword. Of course. <laughs> I wrote cuckoo bananas, but yes, yes it goes yes. cuckoo bananas. Yes, absolutely. And I also, I mean, absolutely correct everything you said. Um, and I wrote Katra is feeling herself in all caps. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, along with bound S&M Adora. Which, which, you know, you covered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I love the fact that Adora is writhing dramatically throughout the scene and everyone is just completely ignoring her. Yeah. So that's how sometimes you have to writhe and have everybody ignore you. It happens. Sometimes you're not the center of every scene. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but. Um, and so Catcher finishes off this scene by basically she just snaps her fingers at them and tells them, I brought you everything you need. Now finish this shit. Yep. And. And Trapped is like, cool, you have a whip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In case, lest we forget. Lest we forget, Katra has a whip now. And Katra keeps framing this not as victory for the Horde, but as finishing off the princesses, which I found fascinating. Because right. that's what she was trained to do, right? Is to like hate princesses. But also she yeah. has like a very real reason why she should hate princesses. And it has nothing to yeah, do with Hordak's glory, but everything to do with Katra needing to finish off princesses. Yeah. I mean, she kind of sees, I, I mean, she's been raised this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her notion of what the Horde winning means is defeating the princess. Sure. That's the only way she understands what it means for her to win right it's also personal i mean it's personal of course it's way more personal now than it used to be but even before adora left the horde right you know they the propaganda posters yeah the from the very beginning part you know all of the training is them like you know fighting fighting princesses but yeah i just thought that it wasn't like they weren't taught some grand ethos of this is how we want a theory to be and we're fighting for this grand vision. It was just like, these are the bad guys. We defeat them. That's how we right. win. And they're princesses. And yes. Yeah. So also. So yes, so this is this is Catra's one beat. Yep. It just gets darker and darker, but this is the one beat she has for this entire episode. Yep. Is finishing off princesses. Also, I have the, the snapping that Catra does as a, a mini gayest moment. Because it's like the gay snapping, oh, yeah. the like, come on, let's go. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, definitely, I also have that as a mini gayest moment. I support that. So you know, we have Catcher trying to snap everybody into action, saying, "What are we waiting for?" And then we switch back to Bright Moon, and Glimmer is saying, "We need to act." Yeah. So back in Bright Moon, Glimmer and Queen Mom are arguing very loudly mm-hmm. in the hall while the others are spying anxiously through a crack in the door. Yep. And that is the setup that we've got. And I'm not sure if you caught this, but uh, when we when we kind of, you know, cut to Queen Angie, she is mm-hmm. standing in front of a mural of Micah. Oh, I caught yeah. that. Um, there, there. It's framed very deliberately yes, it in a few different shots at a few different places in the conversation. Yeah, that they are having this argument in front of a mural of King Micah, not just any mural of King Micah, King Micah battling the horse. Yes, exactly. So it's very purposeful. So it's like Glimmer. You could just look like maybe two inches to the left of your mom and see this, but of course. It's it's you know it's part of the of course that's not going to happen right like it's 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 setting the scene sure. I don't think it's necessarily a very straightforward what is it supposed to mean like his you know 
Micah's mural is here and therefore X. Like yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's just part, it's just invoking part of, exactly. you know, yeah. Queen Angela is stuck in the past. She's living from a place sure. of fear. Glimmer is moving into the future, taking over her father's mantle. Like all of these things are sort of swirling together yeah, it's very- in this argument. Yeah. And this argument, I mean, and this is one of the reasons that I really, this is an example of one of the reasons I didn't want us to have to be constrained by being spoiler free, mm-hmm. because we know that this is the last conversation they're ever going to have. Yep. And that's weighing heavily. And there's a lot of foreshadowing in this episode. And I'm putting aside the next episode in, in the false reality where they don't have any memories of the real world. I'm, I'm not counting that. <laughs> no, no, that's I aside agree. from that. Right. This is the last conversation they're ever going to have. And it, it's loaded. It's really loaded. I mean, Glimmer thinks they're wasting time and they need to leap into immediate action to rescue Adora and the sword. And Queen Angela doesn't think it's viable to go rushing off half cocked into action with with no plan at all. Yep. And and they both, they both have a decent point. They both have a decent point. And also when Glimmer says, you'll always be around telling me what I can't do that. I know. Ugh. Knife in the heart. Knife. The knife. Yeah. <sighs> and so I have like a little sub bullet for both of their most well put, most salient points. Yes. Glimmer's most salient point is before I started rushing in, the rebellion hadn't made a move in years. You need me. May- that is true. Absolutely. And then Angela's most salient point is I need you to be a leader. And that means not running off whenever you feel like it. Also true. And indeed, Glimmer does take that deeply to heart, as we will see when she becomes queen. Yep. So both both of these things are true. They need each other. They both need each other. Yep. In order to have a balanced leadership strategy. And then. What you just said was my next bullet point as the first piece of stomach squirming foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, you know, what's the point? You'll always be around to tell me what to Ugh. do. It's like, oh. And, you know, even when you're watching it for the first time, I feel like that's a knife in the gut. Yeah. Because it, it it's it's very well done foreshadowing. You're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. What's going to happen? Right. What's going to yeah. happen? And then just as they're getting to the topic of how Angela never told Glimmer that Shadow Weaver was Micah's teacher. That is the moment when they're standing right in front of the mural of Micah holding his staff, and it's really well framed. Yes, agreed. Depicting the battle against the uh-huh. horn. Yeah. And it, it really encapsulates the moment, um, again, of them being stuck in this cycle of arguing over the past and not being able to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well put. Um, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Glimmer says... They should talk to Shadow Weaver since she knows the whore. Which Angela says Shadow Weaver can't be trusted. Bleh. Both valid. Everybody has good points here. Everybody's right. It's so hard. Yeah. Everybody has good points here. Yeah, uh. but Glimmer's finishing line is we have to do something. Right. You would see that if you weren't totally paralyzed by fear. Mm. And she is right. Mm. If they just sit around, then nothing's going to happen. Right. And also, you know, there's that whole they have to rescue Adora. They have to rescue like, Adora. And then Angela's finishing line is, uh, and again, I know it's not the right thing, but it's really hot. <laughs> I am your queen. And I say we cannot afford to lose anyone else. Either come up with a reasonable plan, Commander Glimmer, or stay out of the way. Oof. That is pretty hot, actually. And, you know, like, she, she's not totally wrong. But I think Glimmer does have a reasonable plan within the spectrum we now have available of reasonable plans. Her plan is let's talk to Shadow Weaver. She knows the horde. Yeah, I think she's defected. I agree. 
right? And it doesn't mean she's on our side, but she is now against them. And the enemy of my enemy is my ally, if not my friend. Exactly. And that is it, like, as we've seen, that is how Shadow Weaver, like, that is how she frames the world. Like, she would definitely be like, yeah, the enemy of the enemy is my friend because she is, the, you know, her movements through the world is that of being self-focused and she will do what she she needs yeah. to get what she wants. And that now it's yeah. revenge. Right. So. Yeah. 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 So that's how they part. Angela storms off and then all the all the others who were spying scatter and pretend they weren't listening, except for Bo, who is so guileless that it's just adorable to watch his little five second freak out of what he should do to try to pretend he wasn't listening. I know. It's really, really sweet. Our sweet, our sweet, sweet Bo, who does not have a deceptive bone in his body. Bless Bo. Bless. Um, but so Angela storms off. Glimmer stays where she was. She's looking at her father at her father's mural. And then Bo and Glimmer share a really heavy moment of eye contact. Um, again, framed mm, by this mural. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the look on Glimmer's face when she looks back at Bo and she is now framed on a level with her father, with like the bust of her father uh-huh. in his heroic moment. And the just the look on her face to me says, we both know we're going to have to go against my mom because it's the right thing to do. And I wish it didn't come down to this, Yep. but it does. Yep. And we're strong enough to do what we need to do. Yeah. Oh. And it's very intense. Everything is like really intense from here on out. Like we had some really <laughs> yeah. fun episodes building up to this, but like, I feel like now until the end of the series, yeah. it's just the like, rest, well, definitely the rest the season. of this season, yeah. the rest of this, this episode and the next two episodes the end this season, it's, you know, very intense. They're like some of the most intense episodes of the although, entire series. Although Remember has some very funny moments. It does, but... Um, this episode, let's just stay in the present. This episode is very intense. This episode is intense. But, you know, there's still some fun, there's still some fun stuff. You know, we switched to Hordak Sanctum. We have... Let's go over to Hordak's lab. Yeah, a, let's, see, let's see what Hordak and Entrapta are yeah, up we to. have Entrapta, who connected the sword to the portal machine with, like, jumper cables. Yeah, because that works, yeah, right? Sure. <laughs> science is fine. It's it's all science, right? So yeah. So she's sciencing. Yeah. And, and then all the screens and all the tech in the room are just crackling now with all this excess power from the sword. Yep. I'm sure that will be fine. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. Why connected is connected. That's yeah, fine. You know, totally fine. So you know, we have uh, Hordak being like. You know, does Adora have to be there? And so we have like a really funny beat of Entrapta going over and taking the gag off of Adora. <laughs> Being like, yep. you don't know, do you? Does it have to be you or the sword? <laughs> like Adora's going to be like, well, actually. Yeah. Like, and Endor- Adora is in this super serious, desperate, dramatic place. And she's like, I don't know. And if I did, I wouldn't tell the horde. <laughs> and Entrapta is still in her, you know, her usual yep. chaotic, neutral headspace. Yep. That's OK. I like figuring stuff out. Yep. <laughs> totally unaffected by anyone else's emotional demeanor. And I like that she puts the gag back on Adora. She's like, OK, yep. shut up now. You know, you know. Yeah, my my line after that is in parentheses, regags prisoner, la la la. Yeah, but then Adora ungags and does the, you know, heroic pleading. And yeah. I'm like, wait, she could she have done that the whole time or did Entrapta like loosen it? I, I mean, 
the only point, there's only one other point in the episode where she ungags herself and it's at a pivotal moment. Right. So I feel like this is one of those things we have to just kind of let yeah, it go. Yeah, I think so because. And not be nitpicky. I think so too because there are definitely parts where she's like, bah, 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 which she totally could have like. <laughs> yeah, most of the episode she's trying desperately to make herself audible, but she can't because she's fucking gagged. Because she's fucking gagged. But yeah, I mean, I'll I'll buy it. In a couple of critical moments, she's able yeah. to ungag herself. But, you know, that's a tiny detail yeah, that we had kind of have to let it go. I'll suspend it. My um, disbelief. Also, it's suspended. We, we, we passed over one other important line of entrapta, entraptas. And she says, you know, with the sword connected to the portal machine, we should finally be able to bypass the planetary interference. I just have no idea how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I like <laughs> she has a little high at the end. Aww. But like, you know, it's fine because she likes figuring stuff out. Yep. So she's totally just riffing and experimenting at this point. She has no idea what she's doing, but she is not bothered by that fact. She's just sort of, you know, blorping around with this unbelievably powerful technology. She's she's just stoked. And, you know, we have Hordak there, you know, just being Hordak. Right. And so as you pointed out, after Entraptor regags Adora, she is able to, you know, spit out the cloth, and she goes off on Hordak for gaslighting her her entire life. Uh-huh. And Hordak's response to this, okay, it's kind of a sick burn. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the, like, <laughs> you know, Adora says, you could, you know, you took me away from my family when I was a baby, you lied to me my whole life, and Hordak was like, I could not have lied to you about who you are because I have never known nor cared about someone as inconsequential as you. And I'm like, Right. Fuck. All right, dude. Yeah. It's like, you, yeah. you are mere ants to me. Like. Yeah. But, you know, what he's really just responding with more gaslighting. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I believe that he doesn't know where she comes from, but obviously he doesn't consider her inconsequential or he wouldn't have to have her tied up in his inner sanctum. Right. Or he wouldn't have, like, he would have just, like, left her where he found her. Yeah. She wouldn't be so crucial right. to his plans if he considered her inconsequential. Right. He might not know why she's important, but he knows she's important. And then she definitely hits a nerve when she tells him, you should care because I'm the one who's going to make sure you fail. Yeah, she's got the, the big hero, big mouth going yeah, on there. This is, this is kind of a gayest moment. Adora's pretty gay bravado. Yeah. Gay bravado while tied up in the hands of the enemy is hot. It is hot. You know, she's she's not going to beg. Not from Hordak. Not anybody. Not anybody. Except maybe Katra. Except maybe Katra. So Hordak says, I will not fail. I, I know. Yes. And he's, evil dad is mad. And he does the evil, the evil will conquer all type of speech. Yes. I'm, you have no power to stop me. Ha, ha, ha. I will wipe out your rebellion once and for. And then the Iron Man suit just glitches out again. Yes. Glitch, 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 sparky spark, boop, boop. Boop, boop. <laughs> Hordak sucks. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. It's a good observation, Thanks. Yes. Thanks. That's why. That's why I get paid the big bucks to talk about gay oh, cartoons yeah. here at Hey Adora. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so he falls to his hands and knees as his suit glitches out this time, which we have not seen before. Yes. And Entrapta abandons what she's doing to run over to his side. But she doesn't do anything about it this time, which is the first time we haven't seen her immediately try to fix it. She just kind of stands there and showing concern for his weakness, mm-hmm. which he's sure to appreciate her solicitousness being like, oh, poor baby Hordak. Mm-hmm. Let me console you in front of the enemy. I'm sure that's exactly what he wants. Right. Yeah. 
So, you know, he's he gets all pissed up. Get to work. Blah. Yes, stomps off, mad dad. Yep. And then, you know, no big deal. The sword of protection just like, you know, jump gets free of its jumper cables and flies yes. into the portal machine. And we all have a starts doing stuff on its and own. And we all have a whoa moment with yeah. Entrapta. And that, yeah. that's fun and deadly pinwheel is in my notes. Yeah, that's not great. That doesn't not great for not us. Not great for us. Not great for our heroes. Yeah. So it swirls across the room and slams into the portal machine, looking all shiny and majestic and shit. Mm-hmm. And then once it has slammed itself into place, way more energy crackles out of that machine. It's not great. Clearly, stuff is happening. Yeah, stuff is happening. Yes. yes. And so we have a close-up first on Adora, who is horrified. As she should be. And then on Entrapta, who is like the opposite of horrified. Yeah, she's, she's unhorrified. No, she's she is full of nerd glee. Yeah, she is just awestruck yeah. with scientific excitement. Whoa. And she says, wow, in the most drawn-out way one could possibly say wow. I think I have it with like a dozen lowercase and a dozen and a half uppercase W's and like 5,000 O's. She's stoked. Stoked. You know, this is her happy place. This is pure scientific experimentation and she still has no awareness of consequences. Yep. She's just sciencing. Yep, she's sciencing for science. So we're going to leave her there for the moment and hop back over to Bright Let's Moon. Let's go to Bright Moon. Well, doesn't seem like they're, oh, no, wait, they totally are cooking up an idea. And both things, right, so they're a ba- it's a bad idea. are <laughs> outside of a door, which we are presuming is the door to Shadow Weaver's yep. room. And, and Bo and Glimmer are lurking in the shadows. Yep. And there's a bad idea or a great idea happening, but... It, we everybody actually agrees that it's a terrible idea, but what choice do they have? But it's their only plan. But it's their only plan. Let's, let's at least go talk to yeah. her. So, right, she's the only one that they have available who would know all the hordes' weak exactly. points. Exactly, like she has the information that they need, and right. so you know. And so, also, I have a question at this point. Okay. I don't know if you have the answer. Uh, let's um, like, let's see. Maybe, maybe I don't. So maybe we'll work on is it. Is Glimmer literally the only person in all of Etheria who has the power of teleportation? Because we've got these guards standing in front of Shadow Weaver's door uh, who were there throughout the entire episode with no knowledge that they've all teleported out. <laughs> I think she might. I think that makes like, sense, right? They don't have any alarms. Like if they were inside the room watching Shadow Weaver and had actual eyes on her, they would have known that Glimmer booped in there. <laughs> Maybe she does, right? Like because she has this like mix of like immortal angel. Yeah, and Yeah. Like they don't have any anti-teleportation alarms yeah. or security measures set up. Yeah. Maybe that's just like a thing that like she gets from being like, uh, you know. The spawn of Half a sorcerer and an immortal angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, because I feel like if this was a more common ability, they would have to have thought it through better and been like, maybe we should set up, yeah, security against yeah, this. Yeah, something. Maybe just even some like lasers. Because yeah, because it's real easy for them to just teleport in there without anyone knowing. Yeah. So Glimmer can talk to Shadow. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the. I think it's just one of those things, and I think it might. I think that might just be Glimmer's special superpower. So. Yeah, well, yeah. it does seem that way. Yeah. Anyway, it's super easy for them to pop in there. Yeah, so they pop in there, <laughs> you know. And Shadow Weaver immediately starts displaying how well she understands Glimmer in every way while completely ignoring Bo like he's a prop. Yeah, and she, I like that when they pop in there, she's just chilling on like the overstuffed cat chair 
reading. She's got this cozy armchair. Yeah, reading a book that's probably a sp- no austerity in Brighton. No, they got this like she's reading this book. It's probably a spell book. It has a sigil, like a a sigil in it, which is like a diamond shaped with a crescent moon in the center and a circle under the diamond. I'm like, also, why would they probably have like a spell book for a sorcerer to read in spell jail? I mean, we don't know what kind of right, book it is. But like, the point is, they're treating her very well. They're treating well. her very well. She has reading material. She has a nice overstuffed couch. It's great. If you're going to be in prison on Etheria, this is clearly the one to oh, be yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I wonder. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. So, you know, of course, Shadow Weaver, like you said before, like, you know, reads them immediately. Like, she knew that Glimmer was coming. Maybe not Bo. Mm-hmm. But she knows that gl- definitely not Bo. She couldn't give two fucks about right, Bo. But but she's Glimmer. Glimmer is the one she's got her eye yeah, on because she's smart. She wants to stop the horde, and Shadow Weaver knows that she's the only person that can help Glimmer do that. Mm-hmm. So and these are great. Shadow Weaver has some awesome villain moments. These are some great villain speeches. You know, it's like and also like she's coming to the point where. She is somewhat more neutral in terms of hero villain access. Yeah. Like, true. we know that she is not doing anything out of a sense of moral obligation. Sure. She's not actively on the side of good. But she also, at this point, is not tricking them into anything. No, but this is definitely she, like. She doesn't have any ulterior motives. No, I agree. But this is kind of a classic villain speech of, I knew you would come to me type of thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. She's very good at reading people. Yeah, yeah. So she's doing that. And Glimmer tells her that the Horde kidnapped Adora and that they're planning to use her and the sword to open a portal. Yep. And Shadow Weaver immediately recognizes the urgency of this situation. She says, we must hurry. The Alliance will never get there in time. But perhaps. (laughs) Perhaps what, Shadow Weaver? Yes. And I I wrote, we all have our various personalized PTSD responses when Shadow Weaver says, but perhaps. Oh, yeah. Perhaps what, Shadow Weaver? Perhaps what, Shadow Weaver? Uh, Let me crawl inside my own spinal column to avoid hearing the rest of that sentence. Yep. But, you know, let me out and I can help you teleport right into the heart of the Fright Zone. And Glimmer's like, no, you, I can't even, you know, I can't even get to the edge of the Fright Zone without using running out of power. Well, this is another great visual moment. Yes, please. Um, with very deliberate framing. Mm-hmm. Glimmer, our tiny spunky friend who is shorter than Everyone except 11 year old Frosta is shown towering over Shadow Weaver in this oh. shot because Shadow Weaver's seated. Right, um, right. But so, as Shadow Weaver is saying this line about how let me out and I can help you make you powerful and to do the thing. So, as Shadow Weaver is saying this line, we switch the camera switches to Glimmer's POV. So, we're all collectively looking down on Shadow Weaver, <gasps> who is holding her arm, her arm out towards Glimmer in this beseeching childlike posture. So it's a very interesting framing for this moment. Ooh. And that's when Glimmer laughs it off and says, oh, you know, yeah, right. I- I'm not powerful enough for that. I can barely power teleport out of the room. But then that's when Shadow Weaver says, yeah. oh, but I can make you stronger. I'm the only sorceress who has ever been able to tap into a runestone. If you allow me to access your connection to the moonstone, I can enhance your powers. You could teleport us all the way there. Which doesn't sound super great. And Bo... Well, Glimmer is captivated. Right, and Bo's like, uh, us? 
And Shadow Weaver's like, well, I guess you can come, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. And meanwhile, Glimmer's like, whoa, wow, you can really make me that powerful? And that's some, like, okay, so now we kind of have, like, the beginning of, like, you know, as we go on, we see Glimmer starting to pair with Shadow Weaver more and more, but this is, like, kind of the beginning of the relationship of, like, Shadow Weaver kind of being the dark teacher of Glimmer. Yes, and this is something that has been on Glimmer's mind since the beginning. Yes. In the back of her mind, Glimmer has always, you know, felt insecure about not being that powerful. Right. Compared to all of her peers, compared to her parents. Right. And so this next line from Shadow Weaver really, really gets hooks into her. Yep. Shadow Weaver says, you think of yourself only as a princess, but you're the child of a great sorcerer. You have a more powerful connection to magic than you've ever realized. Let me show you. Yep. And then here's. And as she's saying that, we're watching Glimmer's eyes mm -hmm. that are just shining in a, in a non-sinister way, if that's possible, like Gollum in the ring. Yeah, because she's finally like she's hearing that she's powerful, whereas she just had an argument with her mom where her mom's essentially like, you need to temper your power. And we have, you know, evil teacher who's like, I will give you more power, you, you know. And not only I will give you more power, but reminding her that part of her is her dad. Yes. The parts of her that she's never tapped into are the parts that are from her dad. Yes. Who she never got to know. Yes, absolutely. Good point. Um, and so a lot of the imagery in this episode and there's little things that are sort of like reminding her that that connection is there, too, mm -hmm. even though she's never tapped into it. And Shadow Weaver, as much as she's scary and untrustworthy, also represents that connection that Glimmer has to her dad because she knew him right. and she knew what he was capable of. Right. And she's only heard, you know, she's only heard stories of her dad from her mom and not from someone else who knew him as a powerful being, not, you know. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, all of her mom's thoughts and stories about her dad are tainted with fear. Yes. And regret. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that is going on in Glimmer. So we can understand why this is so captivating for yeah, Glimmer. Yeah, definitely. And Glimmer has her big choice moment. Like yeah. This and, of course, Bo's there, <laughs> of course, right. to jump in with some common sense and point yeah. out that Shadow Weaver just wants to use Glimmer's power to escape. Fair point, Bo. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's not entirely out of the picture. I mean, that makes sense. No, yeah. of course not. But Shadow Weaver says, I want to destroy Hordak. We must strike now. Hordak can't be allowed to open a portal. We'll never have another opportunity. You know that. And she's only talking to Glimmer. Yep. She knows that Glimmer is the decision maker yep. here. And then Glimmer makes the decision. Mm -hmm. And I just love the description of how this happens uh, that's from the transcript that I have, which is mm -hmm. Glimmer takes down the magic wall with a sparkle fist. And yep. <laughs> I love that. Yep. So, aggressive fist to face sparkles. Aggressive fist to wall sparkles. Yeah. And kaboom. That's our girl. And then we go to the Fright Zone. And right, the very last thing that happens before oh, we go yeah. to the Fright Zone <laughs> is Bo. Putting groans uh -huh. and puts his hand over his eyes in that universal gesture of this is such a bad idea, I but know. I guess I'm going to go along with I it. Because, you know, he's never going to leave Glimmer in the lurch. Aww. But now we go to the Fright Zone. Yes. And we have Horned Goon. Speaking of some some lighter moments. There are some lighter moments. So we have uh, Lady Kyle, the, the Horned Goon Girl, 
Looking yeah. through. Okay, so I think this is Rogelio's locker. Yeah, I'm a little unclear on like whose lockers are these? Whose stuff is this? Is it abandoned or is this like people's actual stuff? Well, so there's like a drawing. Like if you looked at it, there's like drawing uh, on the right side of like these like little lizard pals with super cool beanies right and then oh i didn't see yeah that. and on the other side on the left side there's a small picture of kyle with little hearts drawn around kyle <gasps> oh my god how did i not see that it's really cute so i then it must be rogelio so i think it's rogelio's locker and of course there's like the scuzzy locker mirror because remember rogelio has the dope hair so yes oh good call so we have um girl kyle finding a jacket in there and she tosses it over to lizard girl to make it official yep and then scorpia comes in because she is not happy about this she says you can't take that it doesn't even fit like hey this is my friend's stuff stop fucking around in here and then lizard girl makes it fit by sticking her second set of arms through it and creating a second set of armholes and then she strikes a series of muscle poses and she is feeling herself. The muscle and I dig are it. Great. Uh, the, I dig uh, it. I, I dig her self confidence. I dig her whole vibe. I think this is a gayest moment. Definitely. Yeah, this is a gayest moment. Definitely. Just, you know, gay pals palling around in the gay locker room. Yeah. You know, making, you know, making cut off shirts. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I have this down. I have this down as a gayest moment. Awesome. Uh, um, but Scorpia does not dig it and she tries to pull the jacket off, but just ends up with two little clawfuls of fabric. Aww. She's very sad. She's very sad. I was going to say that girl Kyle likes it. She tells her friend, you look good in a uniform. I know. Aww. I do like these two. They have grown I on me. I do like them too. I wonder if we see them again. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll find we'll out. Find out. Uh, and then Catra has a fucking awesome entrance. Yes. Enters with whip. <laughs> you just see the whip cracking the locker. Yep. <laughs> and Scorpia's like, oh, there's Catra. <laughs> it's like, Scorpia is so relieved uh, to see Catra again after being stuck with these goons. And it's like, I, I've been looking out everywhere for you. And Catra, you know, oh, Catra. Catra's like, well, I've kind of had my hands full. And, and you know, does like any minute, the I mean, a Hordak's going to open a portal. And then I'll be the reason the Horde defeats the princesses. And then we have another one of my gayest moments. Which is, uh, you know, Catra gets soft and is like, and it is actually soft here. Like, I I thought it was sarcastic. Actually, I found it really insincere. I didn't think it was sarcastic, but I thought it was really fake. It was this sort of like flat, insincere flattery. See, I didn't get that. I got it as as coming from somebody that's like maybe not all there because I mean as we watch Catra's like mental facilities and health like yeah, of degrade course, of course. through this episode, of course. But she's not there yet. Yeah, but I I mean I she I still think that she's you know she's pretty there from the last time we saw her when she was disassociating in a cave. Like I don't think she's gotten better. I think she has, because that was before she came home with her spoils mm. of war. I think from the beginning of this episode to now, she has not started degrading it. I think that she is feeling herself and she's like, I'm on the brink of my greatest success. But hey, I couldn't have done it without you. Yeah, see, like, fuck you. See, I don't. I thought that. And then I didn't. And then I did. Mm. And then I didn't. I think then either, I might either read is possible. Yeah. Either read is possible. But she definitely does the tender shoulder grab. Which like yes. could or could not be read as insincere. Scorpia does not see it as sincere. 
Yeah, Scorpio looks very sad. Um and worried. Yeah. Um yeah. But yeah. I do have this as my gayest moment. Or a gayest That's moment. That's fair. Either way, yeah. I think Either it counts as the gayest gay. moment. Whether whether it's sincere or not. Right. It gay. Yeah, and Scorpio doesn't think it's sincere and then takes it out on Lady Goat Kyle. <laughs> yeah, who is still just messing around, yeah. gay wrestling and laughter, which is like 90% of what she does, regardless of setting or who is in charge. You know what? She's full of mirth. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I like I'll her. give it to Lady Goat Kyle. She definitely knows how to be full of mirth. Yeah, and so then Catra saunters off and Scorpio watches her go looking so worried I know. and so sad. I know. And all of our little gay hearts break. Mm, we love you, Scorpio. We love you, Scorpio. It's going to get better for you. Don't worry. <sighs> and I love this cut. Um, when we cut to Hordak's sanctum, we have this like mm-hmm. shiny like shing on the, the yeah, switch. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that sound was coming I know, from. I, I, I think that was. It doesn't really I matter. I think it was just like a like a random tossed in sound effect type of thing. I don't think it was in world. You know, I think it was like, you know, like when somebody pulled open. That could be. Like, I think it was like outward, just yeah. like, you know, emphasizing it because it had the like bling shine right. on it. So, <laughs> yeah, that could uh, be. And uh, the shiny, shiny foreshadowing on the switch and entrapped it. Also, like it frames entrapped it really well because she's like, should I do it? No, I can't. And like, you know, it was kind of doing the back and forth. Like, it's tempting. Oh, but yeah. I can't. So like that kind of yeah. frames that really well, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a scene between Entrapta and Tied Up Adora, yep. who are alone together. Not counting Emily, who is there, but she's like powered down. Yeah. So she's not really interacting in the scene, yeah. but Entrapta is sitting on Emily. <laughs> it's really cute. Um, and this is a very important moment between them because Adora tells Entrapta totally sincerely and earnestly we never meant to leave you behind. We thought you were dead. Yeah. And Entrapta says, but Catra said you abandoned me. Entrapta puts her mask yes, on. Yes, she does. I have that as well. She puts on her mask of emotional times. Right. I have masking as metaphor for masking. Yes, law. I have that too. <laughs> so yeah. Entrapta, you know, she's having her big feels time. So she puts on her big feels masks and says, but yeah, Catra said yeah. you abandoned me. And uh, Doris, you know, says, well, Catra will say anything to help her get what she wants. And it's Mm -hmm. this is so heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. like Adora knows Catra's ability to manipulate people and is trying to like clear the air and right the wrong, but is also like feeling it internally. That's like, you know, yeah. And Catra's done this to me, too. And like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And Entrapta, you know, doesn't know who to trust. She says, Catra is my friend. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yes, the data says she and is. I love and then we get to see this adorable little chart oh my God. of the various characters and their little friendship quotients. I love the friendship quotients, and I love that Scorpia has the highest friendship quotient out of all of them. Oh, of course. It's so cute. No question. And of course, that data is accurate. Absolutely. And, you know, we... Um, oh, and then Adora d- delivers the big line of this scene between the two of them that you were alluding to. Do you want to say uh, it? I understand. Catra was my friend, too, but she makes bad decisions. Yes. And this is one of them. Yes. And she's heartbroken. The Horde's armies will come through and then it's all over for Etheria. Yeah. You can't open a portal. Uh. So then, you know, that's a really... 
heavy line. Yeah. She's really, really trying to communicate with Entrapta. It's and huge. then we have another big dramatic moment. Entrapta sends her hair tendrils whipping back towards Adora at top speed. And Adora closes her eyes and braces for impact like she thinks she's about to get smacked. Yep. But that is not what happens. Nope. And Entrapta unmasks and goes back she to... Just she just wraps the hair around yep. the column to pull herself backwards closer to Adora. Yep. And then she still has her back to Adora. And we think that Adora has really reached her and she's about to say something important and sincere. Mm-hmm. But she pulls off her mask. And she's back to science, she, enthusiastic science. She says, oh, but I can. Yep. <laughs> Did you? Did you miss the whole sword makes the portal machine work thing? I really don't have time to explain it. And Adora's and like trying back to her trademark literalism. Yep. And that Adora's trying to like be rational. Well, it's too dangerous. And Trapped is like, well, all exploration has an element of danger. Yeah. And and actually, before we get to that moment, um, just in this moment of Adora having tried so hard to explain to Entrapta why she shouldn't do mm-hmm. it, and Entrapta still acting like she doesn't even understand the difference between can't and shouldn't. Right. Like that's the disconnect here. Yep. Just staying in that moment just for a second. I have a couple bullets on that. Sure. Because my I I understand now how my mom must have felt my entire childhood having to deal with me, my father and my father's father because my dad's side of the family, we are just, you know, hardcore literalists. But, you know, we understand for the most part that we're being nitpicky and we enjoy being nitpicky. And God help my mom, she never had to deal with my half-brother because they would have killed each other. <laughs> the, the level of literalism in my family is just really, really high. And I understand now how frustrating it is. It's like, look, you, you, you know what I'm saying. Right. Like, you understand the difference in this conversation between can't and shouldn't. Right. Like, are you really, really going to belabor the point? Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Yes, I understand. Like, so it's, it's, it's frustrating, obviously, but you know, we haven't gotten there yet. So then we move on to Adora saying it's too dangerous and Entrapta saying that all exploration involves an element of danger. So do you want to carry on with what you were going to say about that? Oh, you can go ahead. Okay. And so this, this is where science and morality intersect this conversation Mm -hmm. that Entrapta is having that she has not yet ever faced in any way she's still our chaotic neutral Mm -hmm. all exploration involves an element of danger but danger to who yes how hard have you worked to control the degree of potential danger have you considered the worst case scenario and who will be affected by that has anyone else who will be affected given consent and my last bullet point on this topic is all caps this is literally how every zombie movie starts True. <laughs> People sciencing away, thinking that they're on the brink of some great discovery without giving proper forethought to what is the worst case scenario if this experiment goes awry. What could possibly Oop, go we wrong? We made a zombie apocalypse. Oops, we fucked up. Oops. You know, or it's, like, it's like, yes, every, yes, all exploration involves a degree of danger. Right. But there is controlled experimentation and there is reckless abandon. Right. And, and Entrapta has not given even a modicum of thought to that difference. Yes. Yes. It's like, oops, we have Terminators. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oops, it's the end of the world. Yep. Oops, reality has collapsed into itself yep. and blipped out of existence. Oops. Oopsie. Oopsie. You know? Oopsie poopsie. So, 
so that's where we finally are. And so finally, after Entrapta has gone through the speech with herself, she acknowledges that she has also noticed some anomalies in her portal in her portal trials that could potentially cause a problem as her computer screen fills with giant red X's to illustrate the point. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, for our younger viewers who might not be able to follow the dialogue for the little ones, it's like, okay, they still know what giant red X's mean. Right. Yeah, just maybe. I love the under, you know, typical Entrapta underselling, right? Right, right. And then we end on, a, on another fun comedic note. You won't try to escape if I just pop out for a sec, right? <laughs> and then there's the, uh, no. <laughs> okay. Love it. Okay, great. Uh, and off she boops with Emily. And then to a less lighthearted scene, we yes. jump to the Moonstone. Yeah, so now things are getting wicked dramatic. Wicked dramatic. According to my notes. Serious So business. it must be true. Serious business. Serious, super serious. Super serious. Um, so we're back at the Moonstone as Shadow Weaver prepares the possibly evil sacred circle. Possibly evil sacred circle. And who shows up? And it's the team, the friends, the 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 other squad, the extended yes, Prince some of our, universe. Some of our some of our B team. Yeah, we got has arrived. We got Mista. We got Perfuma. We got Frosta. We don't have yep. Spinarella and Natasa though. Or Seahawk. Or Seahawk. But we have some of our friends. We have some of our pals. We have some of our Bender Luckily, pals. Yes. They're coming and you cannot stop them. Yep. And yeah, they're just, they're not having any of that. And yeah, Shadow Weaver's not into it. They could not care less. Especially Mermista could not care less. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to make that thing bigger, weird, scary lady. Yep. So she's like, okay. Well, like it is what it, it is. is. What it is. No time. To, there's no time to argue. No, there really isn't. And because time, time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. A portal could be opened. It's true at any moment. Any moment. Yes. So then we shimmy real quickly over to Glimmer's room, where Queen Mama opens the door, presumably to continue trying to work things out with Glimmer. Mm-hmm. This is a real quick, really, really quick scene. She sees that it's empty. Her first reaction is anger and then quickly turns to fear and anxiety as she realizes what must be going down. Yep. And she runs off. Yep. Yep. And then we go quickly back to the Moonstone. Yep. Where the circle has been set all aboard the Spooky Express. Yep. Yep. And Glimmer has her game face on. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about that? Just that we have, you know... Once again, Glimmer taking the hand of the dark teacher uh, in front of her mom. Well, that hasn't happened yet. That, I mean, that's all I have to say about the scene, though. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is sort of a, a lot of back and forth. Yeah. And this is very dramatic building, very dramatic music. Um, we go back to Queen Angie now, who is checking out Shadow Weaver's empty cell. Still guarded by guards who have no idea that she's not there because they haven't gone inside to check on her. She's been teleported out and they're still just guarding the door. Boop, boop, boop. We're doing a great job guarding this door. Queen Angie goes in. She sees the magic dust on the floor. She knows what must have happened. And she busts out of there like a mama bear on wings. Oh, I love that. Um, You know, the urgency is just building. The dramatic music is building. You know, we're all very anxious. And then we go back to the Moonstone 
And Shadow Weaver is starting the teleportation workings as everyone is getting into place and the floor is glowing and, you know, the machinations are, are, are in process. Everything is building. Sad Shadow Weaver casts her sigil. It's purple. It looks very hardcore. And that's when what you said, she reaches through the center of it and holds her hand out to Glimmer. Yep. And Glimmer. And Glimmer looks very uncertainly at this proffered evil hand for several long beats. Yep. And then. And then we cut back to Queen Angie speeding through the air in desperation to reach them. Yep. We can't even see where she is because the background is blurred because she's flying so yeah, fast. Yeah, we have that like anime rush background. Yeah, yeah. You know, the desperation yeah. is just so palpable. And then we go back to the Moonstone. Glimmer finally firms her resolve and takes Shadow Weaver's hand through the sigil. <sighs> Boom. Big magic. Big magic. Glimmer takes the hand. Glimmer's moving forward. Glimmer's going with the teacher. Glimmer's going with Shadow Weaver. Yeah. That's, you know, this is big stuff. This is big stuff for Glimmer. Yeah, yeah. And and we zoom out. The shot zooms out so that we can see Queen Angie approaching from afar and seeing this dark magic swirling all around the moonstone mm -hmm. and she yells out no oh. and glimmer turns because she hears the sound of her mom's voice and they share a brief moment of eye contact yep. <laughs> this is the last time they're ever gonna see each other i know and it's rough it's brutal <laughs> you know the look on glimmer's face as she looks back at her mom for like just a moment and then her body turns to light and slowly disappears like sand blowing away in the wind. That's not how she like th the manner in which she disappears is not her usual teleportation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she doesn't disappear all at once. Right. She sort of like filters away so that her face is like a smudge. Ooh. And she has this look of regret. And I don't think I mean, this is obviously open to interpretation. I don't think she regrets what she's doing, but she regrets that they couldn't come to a resolution yeah i think she regrets like maybe not, this is the way they're part yeah yeah she regrets like disappointing her mom but not in a but she regrets that like you said because they didn't come to an agreement on on the way that she did it so yeah yeah she regrets that they had to leave without having resolved their argument yeah um but you know she knows that she's doing what she needs to do I don't think she feels guilt about what she's doing. She knows she's doing what needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. But, you I know, agree. she didn't want her mom to be, you know, she can see that she's leaving her mom feeling scared and worried yeah. and upset. And she doesn't, and she doesn't do that. want no. to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they disappear. Boom. Dark magic explodes. And then a second later, the moonstone looks totally normal, like nothing ever happened. And Queen Angie is left hovering in midair, just looking shocked and traumatized. Mm. And it's, rough it's rough it's rough that's the, the last time that they're gonna see each other it's rough it's really rough and i think that even when you're seeing it for the first time you kind of know in your gut yeah that that's what's happening yeah. it's not good it's sad it's not good yeah yeah it's heavy and you know it's heavy R it's regardless heavy. of what's yeah. going to happen in the future it's really heavy moment agreed and if you weren't sure about it, the music is damn well going to make sure that you're sure. Yeah, that music is like not the music throughout this entire scene is like the it is the intenseness. It is the like, yeah. this is the heavy. This is the heavy, heavy before the heavy, heavy, heavies. Like, yeah. So we have some heavy, heavy, heavies coming up when they pop into the fright zone. And 
Glimmer is, oh my God, we did it. But <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, she's psyched. She's psyched. She, she did it. She did it. We did it. I did it. Oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> and, you know, Bo was like, well, this, I thought this was be scarier and not so empty. And Remus has got some good snark about, like, you know, <laughs> as always, right? snark about the decor. She doesn't realize it was inspired by Sparta. Yeah, it's not. It's Spartan. It's it's meant to be wicked. It's Spartan. meant to be Spartan. But you know, Shadow Weaver tells him, "No, we missed the sanctum, but we're close. So stay behind yes. me and try not to try to be quiet." And yeah. This part is. I think this part's hilarious because they're like all ready to be in stealth mode and the door just opens and it's yep. four armed lizard girl eating a mm-hmm. can of dog food. Yeah, it looks like dirt. Yeah. But you know, all the food in the horde is terrible. Lizard chow just like it's just like gray food bars yeah. and brown food yeah, bars. She's like walking around eating out of the can and sees them and does the like shock drop like the pop. Right. Like let's be stealthy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not gonna happen. Nope. So, but so immediately we start to see why they did need a larger group. Yep. So Perfuma offers to hold off Lizard Girl while the rest of them make a run for yep. it. Yep. And I'm not sure where she conjured those plants from because they're indoors in the middle of an urban decay wasteland. Yeah, maybe she like brought but a flower with again, her. Gonna let it go. Yeah. yeah, maybe she brought a flower with yeah, her. You know, to have it ready. Yeah, exactly. For the conjuring. Yeah. You know, she's like, well, I know there's no flowers here or, you know, there's no plants that's here. True, so that's true. Maybe I brought, yeah, she might have planned ahead. She for brought that. like a pot, right? Like She brought like a little <laughs> potted plant, you know. Or just one little leaf. Or a leaf. Yeah, you know. You know, she doesn't need a lot to get started yeah, with. But so she. OK, that's a good point. Yeah, so, you know, anyway, we'll just let her so do that. she's yeah. got her fight. So she's good to go. Yep, and so the rest of them run off and they run into Ronnie. The. <laughs> <laughs> they run into Lonnie and Rogelio and, yep. and Lonnie looks them up and down and is like, yeah, we're not doing this alone and pulls the alarm. <laughs> yeah. The the look that Lonnie and Rogelio give each other is hilarious. It's, like it's a, just like, no, nope. like, nope, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. But that also doesn't mean that they're going to run away. No, it just means they they're they know yeah. that. You know, they know <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be they're going to be able yeah, to do they look this. At yeah. this group of invaders who immediately go into fighting poses and they're like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So and again, we have some of our fighters coming up to the front offering to hold them off. Yep. Our favorite water and ice bending duo. Yep. So uh, so Mermista pulls up what I am assuming to be sewage poop water. Yes. Uh, and then Frosta turns it into uh, ice poop shards and yep. they trap Lonnie and Rogelio in poop ice. Yep. Yep. For a moment. Of course, we know it's not going to hold them long, yeah. but, you know, and a squadron is marching up the hallway. Right, so, But, you know, we have two solid fighters holding these guys off. Yeah. And again, you know, you guys go on. We'll hold them right. off. So now it's just Bow and Glimmer and Shadow Weaver. And continuing on. And then Katra enters the chat. Who do they run into but Katra, who is like, Lonnie, why did you pull the... And then we have all of our stomachs collectively drop. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And... And then 
Catra sees Shadow Weaver taking Glimmer's hand and she just cannot abide. Yep. And this is she's like, seriously, like of all fucking things in the world for her to have to see. Yeah, you're holding hands. It's really fucked yeah, up. You're holding hands with a princess. You broke in to hold hands with a princess. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Shadow. And Shadow Weaver says something really goading. Yep. And she's like, there's no sense in trying to fight us. You don't stand a chance. Join us. Join or, us or stand, or stand aside. aside. And then. Uh, <laughs> Gee, I wonder what Catra will choose. Well, Catra does have a fun, a fun new toy now. And whip. Mm-hmm. Catra does not say whip when using her whip, but. No, she's way too cool. She's for way that. too cool for that. But she's smart because yeah. she's ready for the, you know, Catra V Shadow Weaver ass kicking, you know, moment number two. Yes. Bo manages to fight off the whip with arrows, which is very impressive. I thought that was a thing. Like, that's some really good, like, arrow work. Good job, Bo. I mean, that's all his, this is all his trick arrow stuff. Sure, but, like, that's a good... You can't just shoot a regular arrow at a whip. Yeah, I mean, but that's a good shot, though, right? Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hooray, Bo. Um, and eventually, Catcher does get the upper hand on Bo. Yeah. And he is down in a pile of goo that I'm pretty sure also came from one of his own trick yeah, arrows. Yeah, so the arrows. I don't think the I don't think the goo came from the whip. No, so I watched this scene a couple of times. So the arrow hits the whip and sticks to the whip, and Catra whips the the arrow back, uh. and it explodes onto Bo. So Catra yeah, like sense. whipped an arrow at Bo, which impressive. Yeah, they're both very skilled. So. So now it's just Glimmer and Shadow Weaver v. Catra. Yep. They're, they're holding hands like they're pals. And by that, I mean, you know, Glimmer's an excellent battery for Shadow Weaver. Yeah. And my next bullet is all caps. Drama. Action. Can you even handle it? <laughs> and I can't. I can't. And so Glimmer and Shadow Weaver are teleporting while Catra's trying to, you know, attack them with the whip. Right. And this is really fucking up, Catra. I mean, this is like psychologically, this is like, you know, what you were saying earlier about like you don't think that Catra really started to slide. Um, I will say that this is definitely when her sliding oh, escalates. Oh, now this of is course. when it, now that she's seeing when it Shadow Weaver yeah. with the princesses. Yeah. Like this of course. So this is really when it starts to like all go downhill for Catra. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and like, no fucking wonder she pulls the lever. Like, so. She, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't blame I her. Mean, I mean, I do. It, it was but, pretty inevitable. Yeah. So it, we have a moment. It, it's kind of a narrative inevitability yeah. based on everything that's going yeah. down. And we have some really gutting dialogue yeah. here. But we also have a moment where Catra cracks the whip and Shadow Weaver catches it and uses yes. the like yes. the same magical electrocution mm-hmm. that she's always used on Catra, yes. only uses it yes. through her whip. And like immobilizes her and and Catra doesn't just fall to the floor. She falls to the floor in a fetal position. Yeah. Yeah. This is very triggering. Clearly right back. It's like she's six years old. Yep. Yep. And then, of course, Shadow Weaver is, you know, there's no need for us to be enemies. I can like after setting her in the fucking fetal position. Right. It's like, I can help you. I can offer you a way out. Like, ah horrible bad person i know and you know catcher's next line is one of the most gutting of this episode yeah. do you want to do it i know you no, i know no. catcher is very close no, to her okay you do it. so catcher says 
So what? You're on the side of good now? You made me this way and you get to be the good guy? Do you know what happened to me after you escaped? Do you even care? You couldn't wait to get away from here. From me. But you came back for Adora and she's crying. Yeah, she's crying. Yeah. She's like, like it's it's so it's so deeply, deeply fucked yeah, up. She's like immobilized and crying. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, Shadow Weaver didn't come back for Adora. No. But there's no other way that Katra can see. No, it. absolutely. The same way that like she saw a Shadow Weaver going to Bright Moon was going to Adora, right? Like it's all right. about Adora. Right. Right, right. And so Shadow Weaver says, I came back to stop Hordak. I will make sure he's destroyed. Don't make me destroy you, too. Oof. Uh, Do you want to say Catra's last line? She's like, oh, I'm going to make sure we win. We're going to open that portal and there will be nothing left of you or the princesses. And she's like getting tortured at this point. So she is as Catra is pretty much as triggered as she can possibly be at this point. Physically tortured with. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's of triggered. Torture is very triggering. She's just getting tortured, like psychologically, physically. Sweet baby Catra. Yeah. But I also think that she's not even reacting to the present anymore. No, no, absolutely not. I completely agree. Um, and you know, it's completely understandable what. Yeah. I, you know. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and um, so this this. Physically trapping and torturing Catra is ended when Bo is like, stop, you're taking too much from Glimmer. Right, Shadow Weaver is draining more and more energy yeah. from Glimmer. Glimmer falls to her knees. And then at that point, Bo has finally de himself enough to intervene. Yep. And Catra is just, ugh, she's a mess right now. <laughs> yep. She looks up. So finally, Catra is freed and she falls to the floor at Shadow Weaver's feet. And she looks up at Shadow Weaver in terror, like she's a child again. Yep. And she still has tears in her uh-huh. eyes. Yeah. And she grabs her little horde tool zapper thingy. Yeah. That's the same one that she used to zap Adora yep. in the pilot. And she lunges at Shadow Weaver. But girl Kyle comes up behind her and grabs her and pulls her back to save her. Which says you you can't fight them. They're too strong. Yeah, which I mean makes sense because Catra's got her ass beat. So yeah, yeah, it's like this is not your moment. Yeah, time to regroup right now. So and the two of them run. And away. They run away, and now we go back to the portal. Well, no, we go back in trapped. We go. I have trapped his lab. Yep. So now we go back yeah. to and trapped his lab. Yeah, and my first bullet here is finally we get a moment to calm the fuck down with Scorpia and Entrapta, our good buddies. Oh, and Scorpia even says that. It's like, ah, oh, I really appreciate you letting me assist you. I miss hanging out, yeah. right? Like, yeah, and we're all yeah like, she misses the she misses the super pal trio. And we're all like, we miss you guys hanging out too. Yeah, yeah. And you know, she's like, well, because Scorpia feels left out because everybody has new friends except for Scorpia. Yeah, everyone- Exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. And and Trapped is mostly just paying attention to the uh, computer simulation that is showing, you know, the impending collapse of reality. Yes, how the entire planet will burst into flames and explode if they actually activate the portal. And then just a big skull and crossbones. So which usually just means, you know, it doesn't mean good stuff mostly. Yeah, definitely not. And then I I couldn't help thinking about this. There's a movie I saw when I was a kid 
not a super big movie, but if you've seen it, you'll know the reference. Um, Toys. It's a Robin Williams oh, movie yeah. from 1992. Yeah, that movie's weird. Joan Cusack yes. is a character in it, and she's you don't find out until the end that she was a robot the whole time, but she was built to be like a companion to Robin Williams when he was a kid by his dad. So she's just like this goofy robot. And at one point in the movie, she says, red usually means danger. <laughs> or beef if it's a bullion cube. <laughs> It's like if it's not if it's not beef, bullion, it's usually dangerous. That's a pretty good joke. <laughs> yeah. So I thought of that in this moment, and I was like, "Yeah, it's definitely not no, good." No, no, it's bad. It's bad news. And Scorpio wants to know if this is going to happen to the actual planet. And so, Entrapta says, "Well, this is just an illustration, but what will happen will be much worse." Now, if my numbers are yes. right. And they are, because of course they are. If we open a portal, yes. the anomalies will be catastrophic. It'll unhinge time and space, create a warped reality that will collapse in on itself, erasing us from existence. I never thought I'd say this, but we can't go through with this. So this is a yes. level of so- apocalypse where even Entrapta draws a line. Yeah. Like, that's big. It's big. And this segues into my one Professor Smart Brain moment. Awesome. In this, in this episode on black holes oh nice gravitational singularity and me trying to stumble through astrophysics general relativity and other topics of 20th century physics oh nice i haven't taken physics in like years so yeah please but i'm into it please bear with me i'm doing this at the highest level possible if i am wrong please write to me but this is what i remembered and this is what i have so Nice. We're going to start with some basic definitions. So first, we're going to start with general relativity. So general relativity was developed by Albert Einstein. We all know that name. Between 1907 to 1915, around then. So the theory of general relativity says that the observed gravitational effects between masses results in the warping of space time. So in other words, gravity is actually a curvature in space-time itself. Really heavy shit has more gravitational force because it bends the fabric of space-time more. Okay. The way that I found it most helpful to understand in really basic terms, this was once explained to me, is if you think of space as a soft, flat surface, and then heavy things like, say, the Earth or any planet sit in it and then things like light roll down that soft, flat surface of space-time toward the Earth. And the heavier a planet is, the more gravitational pull it is, i.e. the heavier it is, and things roll towards it faster. Exactly. That's exactly it. Which, So that was going to lead me into what is a black hole? Okay. So a black hole is a region of space-time where gravity is so strong that nothing including light or electromagnetic waves can exist. So fucking nothing can hap- can exist in this. So this happens when an object is literally massive. It has enough condensed mass to create such conditions. So imagine that like soft fabric, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of like the earth in it, it's the heaviest fucking thing you can ever imagine and it just boom. But really small, right? Or is size not an issue? It's just the size of the condensed mass itself. The size itself mm-hmm. of the particle or particles, it doesn't matter. It's the, the amount of mass. Mm. So it's really about the amount of mass, not the right. volume. 
Right, yeah, yeah. right. Size and mass are not Size the same. Size and mass are in not absence, the same. In absence of gravity. Right. So, okay. So what happens in a black hole? So I don't fucking know what happens in a black hole. Most of us, if any of us, and I mean none of us, actually know what happens <laughs> inside of a black hole. But general... But it's a great topic for study and contemplation. Absolutely. And there are so many different kinds of science, science-y thingies, physics, different kind of physics-y, mechanic-y things that study it. But we're staying with general relativity because I did not want to go into quantum mechanics. So general relativity says that this, what might happen in the black hole, the heaviest fucking heavy thing that ever heavied, what happens in that might be a gravitational singularity or space-time singularity or... I have no idea what that means. Or just a singularity if you're wicked. Cool. So this is a gravitational singularity. A gravitational singularity is what happens inside of a black hole, according to this general relativity theory. It is the point where gravity is so intense that space-time itself breaks down and cannot be defined by where or when. So, So it literally is like, hey, this thing is so heavy that at the end of where this thing is falling, if there is actually an end, because you can't even use words like end or thing or where. Right. right. It's kind of like what Entrapped is describing. The entire concept of the physical world, everything that you can imagine, all of the untrapping underpinnings of what we understand to be reality. And matter. Anything. Like all of the things. Literally well, all, all of the, the things, things are made of matter. Yeah, or energy or whatever. Everything. Yeah. Like literally everything. everything. All of the things. Kaput. Everything, everywhere, all at everything, once, everywhere, one all might once. say. So that is kind of like the like kind of massive level of destruction that Entrapped is talking about. But we're talking about some universe hopping shit. Okay, so universe hopping is, that's a whole other thing that I'm not even going to get into because I could go on forever about that. But there are some theories that at the point of singularity where there is gravitational collapse and Einstein-Rosenbridge, or as we know from many sci-fi tomes, a wormhole will be formed, uh-huh. thus possibly allowing something to travel through the wormhole. Right, this gra- gravitational collapse, instead of it being like nothing, like a wormhole could happen. I mean, in, in general laypeople terms, a wormhole is sort of like a portal in the sense, that in theory, you know, one side of the wormhole is near Earth and the other side of the portal could be near Alpha Centauri, somewhere super wicked far away. Yes. But you could get there, you know, instantly. Yes. So that does make it possible if you are subscribing to the general relativity model of physics, which is within itself the discipline of classical physics, uh, that gravitational collapse can lead to a wormhole. There are other theories based in quantum mechanics that say gravitational collapse will lead to all sorts of other shit. But since we're sticking with, we got like some nice stuff about collapsing and wormhole, we're going to stick with that for this. So this is like this combination of gravitational singularity, black holes and wormholes brought to you by Professor Smartbrain. And please, dear God, correct me if I am wrong, because it's been forever since I've taken physics. But that's very cool. Here we go. It makes it sound like there's actual scientific underpinning for what happens in this episode. Doesn't it, though? Like, we're trying to make a wormhole, but if it goes wrong, we'll make a black hole instead. It does, right? But it's like a black hole that's going to be a universe that turns in on itself, which 
Yeah, I mean, it's sort of an artistic imagining of what could actually happen inside a wormhole if one had the ability to explore what would happen inside a wormhole. Either way, they're fucked. I mean, a black hole. But, you know, either way, we're all fucked. Either way, we're all fucked. So No doubt. No doubt. So, of course, now that we know how incredibly fucked we are. Now it's time for Catra to enter. Loaded up with all the trauma. With all of the oh fucks, right? So, yes. So Catra busts in, loaded up with all the trauma, grabs Entrapta, throttles her, like shakes her by the shoulders like a rag doll, and yells at her, why aren't you in Hordak's lab? And actually, um, I have a little funny moment here. Entrapta's response to that is she, she says, um, uh, uh, and then, you know, before Catra just moves on to be like, oh, well, come on, we gotta go. That response of Entrapta's, her um, 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 with no real answer, reminds me so much of a moment from the original Pitch Perfect movie. Do you know what I'm going to say? No, because I didn't see it. Ah, okay. Well, there's a moment in the original Pitch Perfect movie. I'm hoping some of our listeners will appreciate this. There's a character named Fat Amy, played by Rebel Wilson. She calls herself Fat Amy to avoid other people calling her that in a derisive way. She has reclaimed the title. Um, Anyway, they're all on the bus going to their competition and the bus runs out of gas and then, you know, they can't go. And they decide they have to call on their arch nemeses, the boys team, to come pick them up because they're all going to the same competition. Oh, no. But they're, they're not supposed to ever interact with the boys because the boys are their arch rivals. Boo boys. Um, and Amy um, says, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I've got Bumper's number in my phone. And Aubrey, their really uptight leader, says, why do you have Bumper's number? Because, again, they're not supposed to talk to the boys. They're enemies. And Amy has the exact same reaction. She says, oh. Uh, and it just kind of goes on and on. Like, you know why. Are they not supposed to, like, make out with boys? These boys. Oh. The boys on their rival team. Okay. Their arch enemy their team. Their enemy boy boys. Do they have to, like, combine forces in order to win some sort no. of prize? No. They do not combine forces. Oh. These particular boys are mostly assholes, especially this one boy, Bumper, uh, whose oh. number Amy has in her phone. And the way Entrapta says, um, um, is exactly the same. Ah, that's fun. If anyone else has seen this movie, I know that you will know, <laughs> dear listeners, what I am talking about. It's very, very funny. Well, that's way more funny, it's a funny moment. than what's going to happen. Definitely. Yes, in that moment, yeah. um, it's funny. Because anyway, Catra grabs Entrapta and orders her to go fire up that portal machine right this second. And Entrapta says they can't because disaster slash apocalypse. Right. And then she says the one thing that Catra cannot hear. Yeah. Adora was Right. And like, this is not the right time to, to mention this. I mean, she doesn't know. Right, but it's never the right time to mention that. Right, but she, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Of, of, all, of all the levels of reading other people's emotions that Entrapta is not capable of, like, this is, you know, way not on her radar. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, here we go. More Catra just descending into madness. Adora is right. Adora gets everything she wants, but not this time. This time I'm going to win. And I'm like, oh no, sweet baby. Yeah, Katra. we have scary, unhinged laughter. Oh my God. Her hair's falling in her face. Her pupils get so tiny. Like she is coming apart. This is a faith. This is like more of Katra as Faithful Hayne right now. This yeah. is a faith moment yeah. for Katra. Yeah. I mean, even Faith never tried to destroy the whole world. No, she, 
No, she didn't. That's but, true. But, she, but they are really vibing but they're strongly vibing right real now. strong right now. Yeah. Yes. This is, yes. Um, this is unhinged. We love you, Catra. We're so sorry, but yeah, you're going to make yeah. some choices. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, this is Catra's Dark Knight of the Soul, and I'm going to come back to that at the end Ooh. and talk more about what that means. Yay. Yes. So um, this time it's personal. Yeah. <laughs> she says, we are opening that portal now. Uh-oh. <laughs> And Entrapta is like, no, I need to sell Hordak. And then, man, we have some more of Catra's signature bad choices here. Because yeah. this is this goes from like a panic to a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because she, mm-hmm. she does the panic zap like she did with Adora in the first mm-hmm. episode. And mm-hmm. then she has the, oh, God, what have I done look. And then mm-hmm. she makes the like, get her out of here, where? And then she makes the choice. She mm-hmm. sends Entrapped to Beast Island. Mm-hmm. What the hell? And Scorpia is horrified. Fucking Beast Island? No one comes back from Beast Island. Yeah, yeah. Scorpia says, you can't. And Catra immediately turns and threatens her most loyal friend with the electroshock zapper and the same threat. Yeah. You want to be next? Yeah. And no, Scorpia does not want to be next. Nope. And Scor- she is not going to be the one to stand up against Catra. Oh, no, and like, I mean, I don't blame her at this. Like, no, no. I mean, no, of course not. Like, you know. But, you know, Scorpia is not a confrontational person. No, definitely not. So we, we know that that was not going to be in the cards. So off they all go. Girl Kyle walks off with an unconscious Entrapta over her shoulder. Catra walks off to do villainry and Scorpia sits down on the floor looking so downtrodden and hopeless. Yeah, because Scorpia lost one of her friends and possibly both of her friends. She just lost both of her best friends. Yeah, One of them is being sent away to what, as far as she knows, is a horrifying death. And she just lost the other one to darkness yeah yeah to to bad choices bad yeah, bad to darkness choices. and bad choices bad choices yes. and you know as and she already saw what's going to happen to the planet so as far as she knows they're all about to die yep <laughs> and she doesn't even have her friends beside nope. her so things are not looking things good. aren't looking great no so then we switch to the hallway we have we have Glimmer and Bo and Shadow Weaver hoofing it and Imp is yep. flying down and annoying them and just like kind of reminded me of like a video game bad guy where it just like kind of like flies down and like hits you and doesn't take that much damage but still annoys you and slows you down. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. Um, and I have a really bad joke. Oh, I want to hear it. Imp flies Imp flies over them and tries to impede them. Uh, 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 uh. I said it was bad. It, that's 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 a it was bad. That's a bad joke. I'm sorry. But I love you. So that's I, fine. I, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> and then Bo takes Imp out with a arrow, a trick arrow that is a rope that instantly ties you up arrow. Very useful. Yeah, that sounds pretty useful. Yes. But oh no, there are so many bots. So many bots. Bo does not want Glimmer to use any more teleportation power because he thinks it's too draining. But Glimmer says they don't have any choice. And she is right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> gotta do what you, you gotta do. Yeah. It's Gotta do what you gotta do. At this moment. And man, this is just a series of these moments. These are moments of truth. We've had a lot of moments of truth here. Indeed. This episode is well named. It is well named. So off we go, teleporting into Hordak's lab. Oh, shit. Things are happening with the sword and the portal machine. Oh, shit. Hordak's like, oh, she did it. 
Yeah, Hordak is excited. He's stoked. And Catra comes in in definitely a great mind space. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, informs Hordak that the princesses are here and there's no time to waste. And we need to open. We need to do the thing. We need to do the thing. We need to open the portal. And Hordak yes. is like, where's Entrapta? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. And then we have another one of Catra's trademark choices where yeah. she, you know, you can see her thinking for a second and then mm-hmm. says, who do you think let the princesses in? Mm-hmm. And damn. Damn. I know. It's it's cold. It's cold. Yeah. And Hordak feels betrayed. Yeah. I have Hordak gasps in the voice of episode one Catra. Ah, no betrayal. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not actually funny, but I had to put something in there know, to make us to not all want to die. A little bit because yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it gets darker from it's here. It's real, friends. real dark. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Hordak <sighs> says she wouldn't. And Catra <sighs> laughs so maniacally and said, did you really think she was on our side? Ugh. <sighs> You can't trust anyone, especially a princess. Mm-hmm. They'll get, they'll just use you to get what they want. Open a portal and let's end this. And then. And uh, as she's saying these words, we're not watching her saying it. No. We're watching Adora. We're watching Adora. Who, who just looks anguished uh-huh. in her little tied up corner. Yeah. I also have this as a sad gayest moment where yeah. it's, it's the jilted sad gayest moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, jilted, heartbroken. Yeah, it's just wrath like, of wrath of your wrath ex. of your ex who just keeps breaking your heart. You know. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Also, Adora's yeah. gag works again. Yeah, so, it's, you know. it's been there like it's the whole time yeah. there, except for key crucial yeah. key moments. So I just want to point that out that this is one of the odd yeah. moments. Yeah. This is yeah. An odd yeah. gag. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we have more good framing work. We have Hordak's shadow looming dramatically over the portal controls. Mm-hmm. Adora's screams are muffled behind the gag <laughs> that is back in place. Oh, my God. It's so dramatic. We all might die. We all might die. Boom, boom, boom. And then we have. Meanwhile, Bo. we hop back over to Bo, Glimmer, and Evil Mom. Yep. And they they come on in. They, they, they run in. And they see the light emanating from Hordak's yeah. lab and they're rushing towards it. And finally, we're all in the same room at the same time. And, and Catra's yelling, pull the switch. And, and finally, Adora manages to spit out her gag at another key moment to yell, Bo! Yeah. You know, so she calls him and over. So you know, we're over here. Over here, right? And Hordak yeah. decides that it's a really great idea to rip down a load-bearing beam and throw it at them. I have that too! The room starts falling apart because yeah. that's what happens when you tear down load-bearing beams. Yeah. Like, dude, you suck. Anyway, Hordak yeah. sucks well, at fighting. So he chucks a yep. load-bearing beam at them and Shadow Weaver just hovers it, you know? Yep. Everything's falling apart. All the equipment starts to go blorpy, electricity crackling all over the place. Ugh. Everyone's confused and freaking out. And- Bo and Glimmer and Shadow Weaver can't reach Adora. And the final few moments, it comes down to Catra and Adora because, of course, it does. Yeah. And like, so they are physically, and I want to kind of keep this in our brains for the next episode. 
They mm. are physically separated from the rest of the team. So it's like everybody yes. else is behind the load bearing beam. And like you yes. kind of can't see them. Like, and it's just, yes. it's, yes. it's Adora tied up and Catra with the worn out eye, like the war, like the saddest face. It's like she's worn out. She has this smirk <laughs> that is both like, like she just looks like shit <laughs> like, you're talking about Katra Katra, Katra looks yeah. like shit yeah. yeah 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 she is you know beyond the end of her rope yeah and she gives and Adora begs her yeah for once Adora doesn't say in a in the command tense she doesn't say you can't yeah, she says she she asks she says please, please don't. don't and then Katra looks at her and smiles the cruelest fuck you smile in the world with like this worn out sad eyes with the bags under them and throws the switch and then opens a stargate Mm -hmm. and and the room fills with scary magic and then credits but the the way the room fills with magic is so well done yeah blinding white to pink to indigo light mm-hmm. and the sound of crackling energy these unearthly sounds and the swell like it's so well done yep and then it just goes to silence it goes to silence it's just such a jarring ending yep. everything about that ending is jarring and heart-wrenching yes, yes. and and not an ending and not an ending you know this is a to-be-continued moment if ever there this was one. This is a to-be-continued moment. To-be-continued. And I have all caps in bold. That's the fucking end. Ah! We have never been less sure whether we're going to win in the end. Oh. But, but on an up note, I would like to talk before we part ways a little bit about the Dark Knight of the Soul. Yes, please. Because that is heavy on my mind please as, do. as we end this episode. Yes. Um, Because I think it's a really important aspect of where we're at narratively for the overall arc of the whole series. Agreed. So this concept was first introduced to me by my dad when I was a very little kid. And I asked him which Star Wars movie was his favorite. And at the time of me asking this question, there were only three Star Wars movies to choose from. The original trilogy. Um, And he said that the second one was his favorite, Empire Strikes Back. Because it's the dark night of the soul and it's the most narratively interesting part of the journey. So then he had to explain what that meant to me because I was like seven. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Your dad's a nerd. My dad's a nerd <laughs> and an English major. Yeah. Um, and he has said of, of our podcast that he enjoys it because it's like a college level English colloquium about this one topic that we both like. Aw, hi Jenny's so, dad. Yeah. So the original reference to what this means is a poem by St. John of the Cross, who is a 16th century Spanish mystic and poet. And this poem is narrating the journey of the soul to a mystical union with God. So great. What does that mean pragmatically to us, you know, in contemporary time? Um, A lot of people misuse it to just generally mean a dark and difficult time in your life, which, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody if you use it that way. Fine. But what it really means is that in order to deal with trauma and genuinely get through it to something better, you have to go down deep into it. You know, you, you got can't go around it, can't go over it, got to go through it. Yep. 
or, you know, the expression, the darkest hours just before dawn. So that's really certainly where Catra is at. Yes. And it's where the whole the whole narrative is at. Um, and so I just pulled two quotes that I think are helpful for thinking about this moment. Um, one from our buddy, Joseph Campbell. Um, uh, Joey. So our friend Joey from his book, Reflections on the Art of Living, a Joseph Campbell Companion. Thank you. So he says, the dark night of the soul comes just before a revelation. When everything is lost and all seems darkness, then comes the new life and all that is needed. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be willing to go down into the depths to be able to come up out into the sun on the other side yep. of those depths. Yeah. Um, and then we have a more, a somewhat more Eastern understanding from Anayat Khan, thinking like the universe, the Sufi path of awakening. There can be no rebirth without a dark night of the soul. A total annihilation of all that you believed in and thought that you were. Damn. So, yeah. So I just want to leave us with that thought sort of ruminating. Damn. Because it's not just like, oh, we all have to be tortured because that's what makes the plot interesting. Yeah. Because there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Damn. And I think it's also true in terms of processing trauma. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that could be seen as a metaphor for the overall narrative, certainly for Catra's journey. Yeah. I think it's yeah, helpful. Yeah, Catra's got to make some choices before she can uh, she can get to where she needs to be. So Yeah, of course. Some better some choices. Some better choices. But, you know, it, it's inevitable. You know, she was never going to be able to heal by just ignoring her pain and saying, despite my anguish, I'm just going to make good choices. Like, that was never going to work. No. Got to go down into the depths to come out the other side. Yep. And that's what's happening right now. And we are going into the depths. We are going to win in the end. Oh, that's great. That segues yes. really nicely into, hey, Jenny. Hey, Meth. What did we learn today? We learned that shit can get really dark and still be okay in the end. See, I think that's a really important lesson. It is. Yeah. Es especially for a lot of queer people who have survived a lot of trauma and don't have a lot of faith that something better can come. Yeah. We are here to tell you that it can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And Shira is also here to tell you that it can. Yeah, because you're going to win in the end. You are going to win in the end. Mm. Stick with us, kids. Stick with us, you're going to win in the end. And we love you. We love you. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to destroy the fabric of space time, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or you can email us all of the ways in which you want to create a supermassive black hole at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Did man. you hear we had a Patreon? I love our patrons so much. It's my favorite place on the internet. It's a pretty awesome place on the internet. So if you become a member of our Patreon, you get fantastic perks like, I don't know, getting to hang out on our Discord, which I feel is pretty mm -hmm. rad because we have a really cool Discord. Yes. I do exclusive playlists. We've been doing live watches and hangouts and it's been awesome. Mm -hmm. They're so fun. Yes, all of those things are super fun. And I have also been doing a story hour with Princess Jenny twice a week where I read you guys classic queer novels. Yeah. Right now we are reading The Dyke and the Dybbuk by Ellen Galford, which is a hilarious romp. Which was one of my favorite books uh, in high school. Yes. And it's wonderful. And you should definitely, definitely sign up. 
at all levels, you get to listen to Jenny tell you queer stories. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can find a link to our Patreon, as well as the link to this week's Spotify playlist Moment of Truth in our show notes or at heyadora.gay. You can find all the things at heyadora.gay. Dot gay. We have dot gay. It's not going away. It's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. It was like the day they announced that dot gay domains were being put into existence. We signed up. We signed up. Yes. And remember... Queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe. Ow! Black hole. Dark magic portal. Dark magic portal. Oh.